We're going to answer a couple more questions today. You guys probably didn't know that. I didn't know it until I started getting quiet and found out what the Lord actually wanted me to share this morning. But some of the questions that came in from our two weeks in our conversation series, we're going to sprinkle that in throughout the year as it comes up. But but you guys gave in some phenomenal questions. One of the questions that came in was like, what is the passion of Hope City? What's the passion of us? Like, and I want to tell you, I want to answer that. I'm going to answer a little bit of it today. Is man, my passion is that we get excited for understanding who we are as Christians. Uh, the word Christians has been around a long time. The church has been around a long time. We've been doing Sunday morning services for a long time. But what my passion is to see you, Christ follower, actually living out there understanding that Jesus Christ was a real individual, that he was the son of God, that he died for you and you're worthy of his death. And guys, that should excite us. I think we Christians should be the most excited people on the planet. I, I think we should. And, we, and I know listen, that, was a, that was, I guess that was real, was it? I want more of that. I want more of that in our church services. I want more of that on the streets. I'm so not tired, but I'm praying and I'm really working hard. I, I want to live this out. I want to be, I want to be excited for the fact that Jesus Christ died for me, that the Holy Spirit reigns here on this very earth and he lives inside of me. You know, we are so churched, most of us, if you've been around the South and the Christian culture for a long time, like I will say this scripture and it will just, it'll just be like, oh, like, how about this? That the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. And we just, okay, well, we'll twiddle our thumbs. Where's the little triangle with the T's in it? Maybe I'll jump a little bit. I'm just going to ask. When was the last time you got really excited? Because you had a moment where the realization hit you that Jesus Christ loves you and he died for you. So what's our passion here at Hope City? Is that, man, it'll just click one day. And I think when it clicks, I think there are even the introverts in the room, because I am an introvert. I have several of my friends that I love hanging out with that are introverts. We can hang out. We don't even have to say anything to each other. If we come out of the room, we don't even have to, you know... But I believe even the introverts in the room are going to start living outward what has actually taken place on the inside of your heart because I know that you're excited that Jesus died for you. I know that. So that's one of my passions is that we change this community, that it would be almost abnormal for those Christians to not be known as Christians. And again, I'm not being ugly and I'm not trying to point fingers, but I would guess to say that there are many people, even in this room here today, that people who just barely know you may not know you as a Christ follower. I want to change that. That's a passion. And so all of those are passions I have written on my board. What, what are we wanting to do here? And I'm trying to get us ushered into the understanding and the realization That heaven has literally invaded this place. 
Now, I'm not sure exactly what step one is in that process. But I'm wanting every single one of us that we encounter to understand the power and the presence of God. And that heaven has actually come to earth. And we get to experience it and enjoy it today. That's what I want. But before any of that is realized, there's very big, very big issue that we're going to deal with today. And I, I don't think this is going to be the end all be all. This is going to be the conversation. This is going to be the topic of discussion and teaching and preaching and, and praying for years to come. The people that we look to, the people that we look up to, they, they've been doing this for years upon years. And so I know that this is a long journey, that we're not going to get there overnight. But if we will consistently saturate all of our life and conversation, I believe one of these days we're going to see some things start to click. And so here's where we're going this morning. You see, I had a question or we had a question come in that was very powerful and it was way too profound of a question to answer in a panel discussion in, in just simply 30 minutes. And, and I won't be able to answer this question fully today, but I want to read you the question. But I want to preface it with saying this. Guys, we have been treating ourselves as human beings. We've been treating other human beings Man, we have just been outright violent towards one another. And I'm not only saying physically have we been outright just violent and degrading, but we have verbally, we have verbally been abusing ourselves and others probably for centuries, maybe since humanity even began. And so if we're ever going to understand that heaven has invaded this earth and that I'm worthy of the power and the presence of God to dwell in my life, we're going to have to start seeing ourselves. Not as we've been seeing ourselves all along. But we're going to have to start seeing ourselves through a much different light. You know, I said it just sort of flippantly up here in the conversation. I think it was week two that... A mirror is a phenomenal tool. And some of you say, well, I look in the mirror every day to get ready and to put my makeup on and to trim my beard and to just make sure everything's in order. And you can use a mirror for that, but I would think that maybe the greatest use of a mirror is to stand there looking at it and looking at the person that is staring back at you. And I would just ask you to search your own heart. What are you saying? What are you saying? What are you calling the person that you're looking at? You see, because we can't go out here and change this community in the name of Jesus if we are violently speaking to the person in the mirror. So step one, if you want to call it step one, is we have to 
start speaking to ourselves in a much different light. So what you see, you've heard it said, haven't you? Perception is what? Perception is what? Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell you today that just the opposite. Perception is not reality. What many of you in this room have been seeing for years is not reality. This question came in from a female. And you'll know because I, how I read the question, it, it came from a female. And I just want to set the stage for the few minutes we have here together this morning by reading it. And it says, I was a drug addict for most of my adult life. Did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. Was a lousy mom, lousy daughter, and everything in between. My question is, how do I forgive myself for this? I know you say God forgives me, and and I believe that. But how do I forgive myself? The guilt is killing me, and I know it keeps me from receiving what God has in store for me. So that's the question. You see, for a long time, I have been guilty. I'm not going to throw anybody else under the bus, but I've been guilty of saying the cliche answer. And the cliche answer is, well, if God can forgive you, then you should be able to forgive yourself. I've said that many a times. But what I've realized, though, as I journeyed along with this thing with Jesus, is that that answer does no one justice. In actuality, the answer to that question is way deeper than what is even on the surface. And the reality is this, that there are many of us in this room of probably 250, 300 adults that we suffer from the same thing. We know that God has forgiven us. That's not a question. But we struggle with forgiving ourselves. And so I'm not going to do injustice to this by simply talking about forgiveness this morning. Because you see, the answer to this has nothing to do with forgiveness. If that was the case, all we would need to preach is just clean up your act. In fact, we probably have been preaching that for a long time. Clean up your act. And then your actions will follow suit. And can I tell you, I don't think anything could be further from the truth. What I want to say today and what we want to invade this environment and this culture is that this is if you get your identity in order. If you understand who you actually are because of Jesus Christ, if you will get your identity in order, then your actions will follow suit. And so we have to help. The Holy Spirit has to invade our understanding so that we can grasp just who we are in Christ. Because this young lady who said this and asked this question 
Once she understands who she is, that she is a daughter of the king, then there will be no struggle with accepting forgiveness whatsoever. And so when you look in the mirror, what are you saying about yourself? What are you seeing? Because what you see with your physical eyes, I will venture to say is not reality for most people in this room. And so God, give us spiritual eyes to be able to see ourselves the way you see us. I'm going to look at an Old Testament scripture here this morning comes from the book of 2 Samuel. I'm going to be here the whole morning, so we're not going to be flipping back and forth a lot of places. We're going to be looking at just a few verses of a phenomenal story. A young man by the name of Mephibosheth. And that's a hard word to say. Don't try it to say it three times. Um, but he's not a rock star in the scriptures. He's not someone that you've heard about a lot. Uh, unless you are, you know, you study scripture a lot, you've probably ever run across this young man by the name of Mephibosheth. He, um, He's not somebody who's going to show up. He didn't show up in the Hebrews chapter 11. He, he's just not somebody that I've even talked about that much. But he's got a phenomenal story. And he's going to help us understand just a little bit about how the Father sees us. Here this morning. So the story of Mephibosheth goes a little bit like this as you're turning to 2 Samuel chapter 9, where we're going to pick up into his adult life. His father was a man by the name of Jonathan. His grandfather was actually King Saul. So King Saul and King David were the two guys in the Old Testament were the popular kings. King Saul was before King David. King Saul was Mephibosheth's grandfather, and he was basically in line. Mephibosheth was to be king, but something happened in a battle. There was a war that was just raging, and actually on the battlefield one day, King Saul, you know the story of King Saul, for any of you who've ever done any Sunday school lessons, he killed himself, and basically during the same battle, the same day, his son, Jonathan, died too. And so on one day, Mephibosheth's father and grandfather died. The enemy was attacking, the enemy was winning. And so if anyone knows anything about battles back in those days, the enemy came and wiped out the entire camp. They came and killed every person that was in King Saul's family. And so Mephibosheth, when he was five years old, this was happening. Word got to the house where Mephibosheth was and his nanny, his guardian, picked him up in haste, running for their lives, picked Mephibosheth up and dropped Mephibosheth along the way. Now, the experts say that they broke his legs or broke his ankles and with medical care the way it was back then, there was no going to the doctor to get a cast. There was no surgery that was perceived. There was no surgery that was, what am I trying to say? That was, there was performed. Thank you. Um, We'll get there here in a second. There was no surgery that was performed to fix his legs. And so from the age of five till we pick up here in just a second, Mephibosheth basically lived in hiding And it says in scripture that he was lame in both feet. 
All right? So he spent most of his childhood and adulthood life hiding for his life. And every day that he woke up, when he looked in the mirror, who used to be in line to be the king, now he saw a lame person. And we pick up here in 2 Samuel chapter 9. King David has now taken the throne. Saul is dead. Jonathan is dead. King David is seated on the throne. And King David, as we know, he is one of those guys, he was a good guy, a man after God's own heart. King David had the thought, is there anyone left in King Saul's family that is still alive? Because I'm going to show them goodness. King David got with his team. They came up and they said, yeah, there's one guy. There's this one grandson of King Saul. It's actually Jonathan's son. Now, this is a lot. I feel like I'm in Sunday school. There's a lot of relationship that we need to understand there between King David and Jonathan. They were best of friends. If you'll study back through there, you'll see that Jonathan had King David's back all the while King Saul was wanting to kill David. And so Jonathan was the in-between and him and David had a very close relationship. And so when King David found out that there was this young man by the name of Mephibosheth still alive and that it was Jonathan's son, he said, I need you to go get him because I basically am going to shower him with goodness. And so this is where we pick ourselves up in 2 Samuel chapter 9, talking about Mephibosheth, verse 6. When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth says, your servant, he replied. And I'm going to stop halfway through verse 7 here and it says, don't be afraid, David said to him. Don't be afraid, Mephibosheth. You see, sometimes we look in the mirror and we're honest with ourselves. And the way we feel about ourselves is what we're actually doing is projecting our feelings on ourselves that we think God must be feeling about us as well. You see, we speak to ourselves in such negative ways because we just assume that God is disappointed with me. That the Father, whatever you call him, God, whatever you call him, he must be disappointed in my actions. He must be disappointed in the way my life has turned out. And so we look into the mirror and we speak to ourselves in such negative ways. I love the way King David spoke to Mephibosheth. See, he spoke to him as the king saw him, not as Mephibosheth saw himself. There's some of us in here that need to understand that the father, 
Even though we have been less than perfect, less than stellar, maybe we've been hiding for our life. Maybe we've been, and you fill in the blank. We got to understand that when the king speaks to us, he is always speaking to us in a loving manner with our best interest in mind. He, he said, listen, Mephibosheth, don't be afraid. If he would have gone on, he didn't go on here. It's not recorded in here. But I believe that King David would have said, Mephibosheth, it's okay that you're in my presence. I wanted you to be in my presence. And this is the word I wanted you to hang on this morning. Hey, Mephibosheth, you're worthy to be in my presence. You're worthy to be here right now. And for the lady who wrote in with this question, can I tell you, you are worthy to be in the presence of the Father. You're worthy to be called His daughter. And when you understand your worth as a child of the King, you will not struggle with not forgiving yourself. You will just understand who you are and who your father is and forgiving yourself just comes naturally. And so he said, hey, Mephibosheth, chill out. Calm down. Quit beating yourself up. Quit trying to perform your way into my acceptance. Hey, Mephibosheth, relax. What he did there is just give him a great dose of freedom. See, Mephibosheth had been hiding. He'd been basically a coward. And you say, well, he'd been dropped when he was young and he had two messed up legs. And that's why he wasn't out fighting. Oh, Mephibosheth got around just fine. If you go reading and studying anymore in 2 Samuel, he, he, had, he had all kinds of people waiting hand and foot on him. He had his, his chariots and he rode donkeys, it says. that He could have got around. Mephibosheth went in hiding because he was hiding for his life. Mephibosheth did not one thing to deserve what happens next. And I know that there are some very, very good people in this room. And I, and I know that you are, listen, you are who like this community needs. You are a model citizen. You are a phenomenal follower of Jesus Christ. You, I know that when God sees you, he's going to look at you and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. But even those people, you have not done one thing to deserve entering into the presence of God. I know this scripture gets thrown out all the time, but our acts are like filthy rags, like our righteousness. They're like filthy rags compared to him. Mephibosheth did not one thing to deserve this. David said to him, don't be afraid, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul and you will always eat at my table. You say, well, he must have done something right. No, 
The only thing that he did was be born to Jonathan. Because of who his father was, Mephibosheth was worthy. And because of who your father is, if you are a Christ follower of Jesus, I need you to understand you've been speaking to yourself negatively. You've been speaking about other people negatively. You have been hurt. You even have hatred maybe in your life. Listen, you are worthy. Not because of who you are or what you will do. You're worthy because of who your father is. That's God, I don't feel like it. When I look into the mirror, that's not what I see. Did I not tell you earlier that perception these days is not reality? We've got to start understanding whose reality we're wanting to follow. And the reality of the world, this culture that we live in, guys, that's not reality. Reality is this. You're worthy not because of your performance and your actions. You're worthy because of who your father is. And once you start to understand who your father is and actually believe it, you start speaking to yourself in a whole different manner. Listen. I want to speak to the person who feels the most unworthy in this room. And if we had a gauge on us to show us on a scale of one to infinity, I would like to see who in the room has the highest number in this room. I would love to see it. Because I want to show you that the person who's at a zero or a one is just as worthy as the person who's at a 100 million. We're all worthy. I want to say this. We're all worthy whether you believe it or not. But I don't want you to go through any more days of your life not believing that you're worthy. I want you to accept it whether you believe it or not. That's faith. I don't believe I'm worthy. Listen, I didn't ask you if you believed you're worthy. Who's your father? Who's God to you? You're worthy. And in the name of Jesus, what I'm getting ready to say next needs to stop. Because Mephibosheth goes on here in verse 8. Mephibosheth bowed down. And said, now listen, he bowed down, and I'm running out of time here this morning, but he bowed down. Listen, there is an honor, there is a respect, there is a reverence that we need to be treating our father with. You hear me? There is a reverence, there is a a posture. Mephibosheth bows down to the king. But what he does next is unacceptable in what we're trying to accomplish in heaven invading this earth. We better bow down. We better respect. We better revere our father. Mephibosheth says that he bowed down and he said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? 
So when we bow down and we revere our father, we don't come to our father and say, God, I'm, I'm unworthy. God, I am just a sinner. Can I tell you in the name of Jesus that has to stop? What we do is we revere our father. I will say that I believe that he would tell us to get up off of our knees and to go out and to love this community in the confidence of your new identity. Yes, we are to revere, to respect the name and the person of God, but we are also to get up and to go confidently through our life under the influence of our new identity. I'm just going to say this right now. Stop calling yourself a sinner. Stop it. You know, last week we pushed you guys a little bit, and the week before even more, and many of you said, I've studied more scripture this week than I have. Listen, I want to say, go study your scripture. You go look into the new covenant where Jesus died on the cross, where he was buried, and he raised from the dead, and he ascended back to the throne where he's seated at the right hand of God the Father today. And you look from that point on under the new covenant of what we are called. We're not called sinners. Do not go to the Father and say, Father, I'm just a pitiful sinner. I'm always going to be sinner, saved by your grace. In the name of Jesus, stop it. Get on your knees, revere the Father, understand who he is, know that you're worthy, then take up your whatever you need to take and go in confidence that you are a saint and that you are a child of the King. Stop talking to yourself the way you've been talking to yourself. Mephibosheth got on his knees. He said, I'm just, why would you bring a dead dog in here like this? And I love how the king spoke. Verse 9 and 10. I love verse 10. It says, you you and your sons and your servants are to farm the land and for him to bring the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth's grandson of your master, look at this, will always eat at my table. Can I tell you something? Understanding who you are, understanding, listen, the rights that you have been given as a child of the king is going to change the way not only you speak about yourself, but the way you speak about everyone. Mephibosheth's life changed this day. He went from hiding and being known as a lame, crippled person to being known as, look at this, listen to this verse. Verse 11 at the very end of it. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Just like one of the king's sons. You're just like one of the king's sons. And you're just like one of the king's daughters. You're worthy to be his son. You're worthy to be his daughter. It says Mephibosheth ate at this table. So what do you see? Like literally, what do you see? Answer this in your brain. What do you see when you look into that mirror? Can I tell you, can I just be very honest? If I had a mirror right here, I'd look in it and I, because I know what I say. I struggle with this just like many of you struggle with it. Sometimes I can be the worst critic of myself. But what I found is if, if I don't catch it, 
If I don't allow my new identity to take over, guess what happens? That negativity flows over to other people. Because sometimes I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, Scott, you're just a slob. You're fat. Why'd you eat all that? You, you have no skills. I mean, this is, this is serious. Sometimes I even look at videos because we watch ourselves to try to get better. I'm like, dude, you're even going bald. I'm glad y'all can laugh at me. It's okay. Scott, you mess things up. Scott, you're not a good dad. But then I got to snap out of it. And I got to go to reality because that's not reality. Even though that's what I perceive for a long time, that's not reality any longer. Then I've got to go to reality through my father's eyes. I got to start operating the way the father sees me. You see, King David did not see some crippled individual. He saw one of his own. So we don't do a very good job of this here and maybe we'll get better as the years go by, but we have this, like, and it's, again, it can go so cheesy. It's, I, don't want our, our, I don't want our community to be changed because of some symbol or a logo, but like in our logo, Hope City, and you see it everywhere. You see it on the building when you drive by at night. You see the, the big blue lines there, and you see it right here behind me. Like That has meaning. And I want you to grasp what they mean. It's because when you leave out of here today, you're going to be challenged right in the face because, listen, the enemy is waging a war in the air right now as we speak for you to be distracted and not grasp what I'm getting ready to say. He doesn't want you walking around in confidence in Christ. He just doesn't. He wants you to go and hide and live the rest of your life crippled. I need you to understand. This means it's an algebraic like symbol for means identical to. We've not done a very good job of explaining. You guys probably just think it's some cool logo, but it means identical to. Can I tell you that's how King David Saul Mephibosheth, identical to his other sons. And can I tell you that today, that is how God sees you. You see, you stand in the mirror and you say, oh, I'm so fat and I overeat. I'm so addicted and I'm just a loser and I'm a sinner or say by grace and I'm a bad parent and I'm a drug addict and I've been probably lousy for most of my life. Yeah, thanks God for forgiving me, but I can't forgive myself. It's because you are perceiving your own reality. So listen, we're going to work. We're going to train we're going to allow our minds to be renewed because I know this is not going to just happen for you like this. But we're going to start. And I don't know any better day than today for a new reality to be perceived. 
You see, when the Father sees you, he sees you just like King David saw Mephibosheth. He saw him as one of his sons. And the Father sees you as one of his sons. You're identical to Christ. Jesus lacked nothing and neither do you. And so the next time you go and look in a mirror, I want you to fight reality and change it to the Father's reality. I want you to stand in front of the mirror today at some point in time. And for the females, because I know that this is something that, you know, the females struggle with. My daughter's there. I want you to just to say that I am beautiful. I want you to say it. I am beautiful. I'm beautiful. I'm worthy. I want to get to the point in time where I have to pull the reins back on all you Christ followers. Whoa, you guys are getting too confident. But until that time, I want you to say to yourself in the mirror, I am worthy. I am accepted. I'm strong. I'm perfect. I'm praying for a new reality for many of us in this room today. better than this. You know what I'm saying? Like in my mind, I got, I just want to shoot some fireworks off, man. Here's what I'm going to do. Listen, here's where we're going. Here's where we're going. Um, I'm standing up. I'm joining you because I'm standing up because I struggle with this. My flesh is a nasty, nasty individual. But I know that in my spirit, I, I grasp all this in my spirit. I'm just not operating it 100% of the time, which I want to be. If you struggle with what I've just said here this morning, if you feel like a Mephibosheth, if you feel unworthy and you feel like you call yourself these names and you speak negatively out of your old identity, but you're wanting to step into a new identity and you're wanting that to be reality, is if that's you today, and this is going to be very, this is going to take some strength on your part, but remember, you're strong. I just would like for you to stand up. Listen, just stand up right here where you are. And and again, I know there's going to be a lot of people, but if you don't struggle with this, please don't stand up just because everyone is standing. Yeah. One of my intercessors said that my faith is going to heal someone today. My faith is going to heal someone and for those who are like, maybe want to go study the scripture to back that up, which I think is a phenomenal thing. Peter and John's faith healed their crippled beggar that they encountered. It wasn't his faith. <laughs> so, so my faith is going to, I want some of it to get on you today. Like I know. New self. New voice. New identity. And can I say, There's no looking back.
Go study Mephibosheth. And he, he had a little couple moments there. He's only mentioned a couple more times in the Old Testament. Go look. He had some rough moments where we're sort of some of the, even the experts are unsure, you know, if he turned his back on David or not. But at the end of the day, Mephibosheth was found eating at the father's table. He was sitting there at the king's table eating. We're not looking back. In the name of Jesus, we're going to be strong. And we're not going to allow the enemy to speak negatively to us. We're not going back to our old identity. It is not like our summer and winter clothes. We do not store them away to pick them back up in season. We are going from this day forward under the influence of our new identity. And again, I hate to keep using the scripture. I don't think it can ever go out of style or be cliche because it is one of the most powerful that I believe is in scripture. 2 Corinthians 5.17 is being prayed over you right now. The old is gone and the new has come in Jesus' name. For some of you, welcome to your new identity. Go give Father. Go give our Father. Go give the King. Go give Him thanks because you're worthy simply because of who your Father is.